Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, Internet. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Um, from Dundalk in the Republic of Ireland and Dublin in the Republic of Ireland to Miami, Alaska, Ankara, some foreign distant corner of the universe. This is the Initial Thoughts podcast with um, failed actor Matthew Kelly and the less failed filmmaker James Mulholland. How's it going, James? Hello, Matthew. The less failed filmmaker. We're as, I'm, I'm being... as failed as each other. I'm trying to put myself below you as like as a kind of a comedy technique of um that way I'll, I'm always I'm always punching up so if if I make fun of you people will have sympathy for me. That's that's not yeah that's not a bad idea. I just noticed man I'm wearing a hat. What do I usually do when I'm wearing a hat? What have you always seen me wear a hat when I'm doing it? Well, it's usually to keep the glare out of your eyes when you're filming, when isn't I'm it? When I'm filming, yeah, I never wear hats usually unless I'm filming on a project and I wear a cap every single day. To stop the glare. So. See, <laughs> so you're just, you're still you're still in the rhythms. I'm directing this podcast right now. <laughs> hey, exactly. You're you're getting the you're getting the frames lined up. I I say we're we're failed because that's funny and you know every 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 artist is is a failed artist I suppose in some in some way because um, people don't like saying that they are what they do. A lot of people say, well, I'm a someone. I heard a quote the other day that it's a thing from um, from Serpico. And Al Pacino's at a party, and there's a lot of people saying, "Well, I'm I'm an artist, uh, you know, I'm I'm an actor, but I work at a gas station, and I'm a sculptor, but I work uh, in a in a bank, and whatever." And they go through a whole list, and then Pacino says, "I'm a I'm a cop, and I work for the police department." <laughs> <laughs> you know, I actually I haven't I haven't seen that Sergio Roman. I need to I need to ah, catch it's really up. good. Yeah, I've heard it. It's I, really I good. It's catch up on my older films. Sidney Lamette, I think, directed it. Um, a, a dog, uh, he'd made a few really good movies in the in the 70s. Really good. Uh, yeah, no, I, I need to, I, I, I've, I've kind of slumped on a lot of Pacino's old stuff, man. Apart from like, you know, the classics like Heat and Scarface, Godfather. I don't know if I've seen too much uh, of Pacino's movies. He was I, never, I re- he was never the actor I grew up. You know, it was always, when I grew up, it was like, De Niro or Pacino, they're the best. They're the greatest actors of all time. But I always edge towards De Niro's movies a lot more than Pacino's. I kind of, I kind of did too, and it's a pity because I didn't see, um, I didn't see Dog Day Afternoon. I don't know. Have you, have you seen no, that? Nope. That's an amazing movie. It has this with the Sidney Lumet as well. I pretty think Serpico was Sidney Lumet. Anyway, it's got this, um, it's got this weird loose improvised feel to certain parts of it, and I don't. I don't know whether it was or it wasn't. It's like kind of a, it's a strange movie where you feel like you live in New York in the seventies and you know what it's like to live there when you're watching it. It it like seems to capture a time even though you don't have a frame of reference because <laughs> you weren't born yet. Um, it's uh, yeah, Dog Day Afternoon's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. I, I've always said though, I kind of like having, I kind of like having older films on my list. So for instance. You know this one. Uh, when I come out of Joker, I come out and I told you, oh, I, I really enjoyed Joker. I thought it was good. And uh, I, you were saying to me about The King of Comedy. And I'd never seen The King of Comedy. And I love all Scorsese's mm. movies pretty much, but I'd never seen The King of Comedy. So I went and like the next day, went on Amazon, bought it. And I watched it. And immediately after I watched it, I watched it again. And I'd say a few days later, I watched it a third time. And it instantly became one of my favourite 
movies. And it made me appreciate the Joker just a little bit less because I see not exactly how much it was riffed off the King of Comedy, even though I still do like the Joker. I'm not saying I hate it. It just brought it brought it down from like a nine or, or you know, out of ten to like an eight out of ten, just because I was like, it really looked at King of Comedy and was like, oh, let's do this with the Joker. And the King of Comedy, the main reason I said this is, I love even now that I went back and saw an older movie and it's one of my favourites now that I'll watch probably every year. And I, I, I think the rewatchability of King Comedy, it's so fun to watch. He's so annoying. He's such oh, an annoying bastard. Like, it's he's, just he's incredibly annoying. And you think, you see a lot in the movie because when I was youngish, uh, I was, I don't you know, it was kind of late teens when I first saw it. And I thought the whole movie was like, oh, well, he's, he's a really funny comedian. And if he just got a chance, you know, but he went too far. And which again, I was like, he's actually not that, he's not that funny. He's just incredibly annoying and persistent and, and pretty, pretty psychotic. It was supposed to be Travis Bickle, but like a comedy version of it, I think, right? That was, wasn't Scorsese and De Niro's kind of take, what they wanted to try and do with the movie. I, I, I never read up. I always see people saying, oh, it's, it's like Taxi Driver. And, you know, yeah, it, it kind of is. But it just, like you said, maybe because it's the comedic elements, it just feels so different. It was just, yeah. I'd never seen Scorsese make this type of movie. You know, I'm used to The Departed, Taxi Driver, all, all The Goodfellas, all these movies. And... Uh, I suppose Shutter Island was a bit of a, a departure or, or, or Scorsese kind of, you know, stretching his film making having, muscles. Having fun with a genre kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and King of Comedy was good. So I kind of like still having older movies that even though I'm not in the mood to watch them at this moment, that might not be for a few years, I can still go back and go, you know, oh, I haven't seen this classic movie. So for instance, I, I've the... The Clint Eastwood Western trilogy, what is it, the, the Fistful of Dollars trilogy? Um, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, Fistful of Dollars and whatever the other one is. A, f- uh, a, few, a few dollars more, yeah. Yeah, uh, I have the three of them on DVD and I bought them about five years ago, still haven't watched them. But someday I'll watch them, just when I'm in the mood to watch an older movie because I still love that older style of filmmaking. I always go on to you about Halloween and how much I love the the filmmaking and Halloween and that's why I love It Follows so much that well I love It Follows so I think it's a good horror film but I also really loved the filmmaking style and how he kind of used a similar style to Halloween in that movie so I, yeah. I still love older movies for that I still love watching older films for that old aesthetic you know the way the music is some of the dialogue and just the general camera work and stuff I think a lot of those westerns are great for um, just the way they just the way they photograph landscapes um, is uh, in particular like I don't know there's just a, there's a really rich bright look to the colours of them that you don't I don't know you don't see them so much in films anymore I don't know was it the type of film they were using or what I don't I don't know anything about that but um, there's uh, some of those westerns are just so 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 rich looking. Yeah, no, I haven't. I, do you know what's funny? When I was a kid, I remember watching, uh, I, I won't tell you what it is and see if you can guess the name of it. I was watching a Western where it was a robot chasing this man. And I was like, what the hell is going on? It's a robot, but this is old times. This is like, what's going on? And I remember it, your man just could not kill this robot. The robot kept chasing him. And I remember them, I, I haven't watched it since, man. So I'm really going off memories of like 20 years ago. But mm. uh, I remember, like, he goes into this kind of basement room and there's other bodies, and then I think he lights them on fire, if I remember. And then a few years ago, they announced a show coming out called Westworld. 
and it was about based on a movie from years ago and I looked it up and I was like, this is the movie, this is the movie I watched as a kid that I, you know, it's just some movies you watch as a kid but you never really remember the names of them or anything but you've watched them. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and it was, it was f- my story. <laughs> I didn't realise they had made a, they had made a movie that. Yeah, it's based on the movie. Uh, I haven't watched it but I still, the fact that I've seen it like once or twice and it has that memory of, you know, as a kid, it stuck with me. Like, I've probably seen it once, man. I probably literally saw it once when I was a kid, and it's always yeah. stuck with me. Probably because of the aspect of this is a Western with a robot. Just doesn't, there's just two things that don't really mesh together. It's Western is old, older times. There's not robots or anything, you know? They barely yeah. have electricity. If they even have it, they don't even think they have electricity. They have candles and shit. So, like, it's, it's kind of crazy. Well, I don't know if that was before or after. Jurassic Park, right? But I mean, it was the 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 the, the two books had a similar uh, plot, which was like um, kind of theme park and things go wrong, basically. Oh, wasn't <laughs> it? That's very true, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. the same. It's the same author, like uh, Michael. That's Christian or Crichton, but yeah, yeah. I've no. I've that's actually he likes the guy. Must have had a terrible experience at a theme park or something. He, he must have had a really. Crappy time at Universal Mickey Mouse, Studios. Mickey Mouse attacked whatever. him. <laughs> Mickey Mouse attacked yeah. him. You little shit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, oh, so God. yeah, I don't know. I yeah, I still love. I still have. I still have my few. Um, there's one uh, the Corey reviewed a while ago. I think it's called Network. Oh, Network is brilliant. Yeah, man, that looks that looks right up my alley. It looks like a Coen Brothers type movie from whatever the sixties is it? Sixties, I think it was. It's it's seventies. It's very um, it's very kind of uh, there's a lot of technologies and developments and culture that that movie kind of anticipates. Not not that that didn't exist yet, but it still kind of anticipates like trends mm. and stuff like that. The Howard Beale Howard Beale deranged news anchor has kind of decline. He's screaming into his television every day and everyone's I'm mad as hell and I just can't take it anymore. I'm mad as hell. He's like some of these guys who who scream, uh, make little screamy YouTube videos, you know? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I, the scree- it's, it's either the screaming YouTube videos or it's the ADHD editing of, of, of you know. Hey, how you doing? Hey, what is it? I'm opening this box. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's like having having to constantly jump cut is is a style thing that you you just have to do. That is like, it's been imitated just because like people think that's how you're supposed to do YouTube videos, right? Yeah, you have to jump much. cut, otherwise it's not a real YouTube video. Yeah, yeah. They don't, they don't, there's no attempt to hide, hide cuts. No, That's but it's a, yeah. it's 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 okay if you're just doing a monologue yeah, and then is. you have to stitch something together. But sometimes it's kind of like people are afraid that you know they're going to look away if you don't if you don't cut angles. Yes, Every, it's it's the difference between when have you you don't watch many YouTube reviewers. Obviously, I know you watch Red Letter Media. I I I probably watch people who are who are older who uh, who do it so they're like older people who use the internet rather than people who grew up with it. Uh, I do watch a few. Well, you know, obviously, uh, two of the biggest are Jeremy Jans and Chris Duckman. No, no, they're like two of the biggest like movie reviewers on YouTube. They've millions of subs, but uh, Chris Duckman has a very clean editing approach where he uses um, video footage and stuff to hide a lot of his cuts. He doesn't, I, I, I'm really sure, you, I don't think he uses 
one jump cut. Jeremy Johns is the opposite. He's just jump cut, but that's their styles. You know, Jeremy Johns' style is yeah. jump cuts. Chris Stockman is he uses a bit more video footage to hide his cuts. So he makes his point and then he has video footage come up, hard cut the video footage and it's playing as he's making a point. And then when he finishes that point, the video footage, footage ends and he continues talking and he continues that style of editing when, and both of them are acceptable I enjoy both of the reviews you know Jeremy Jans is more fast paced and um, because probably because and his editing probably suits that where Chris Duckman's more relaxed and you know talks probably a bit more in depth about you know the filmmaking aspects of, of the reviews and stuff so it's, it's just it's interesting you know I always say Red Letter Media are my favourite editors on YouTube um, for that type of content because I think it's very professional the way they edit their, their, uh, or it's the most skilled the way they edit their videos it, it is uh, I, I, I suppose like I mean the, the thing about the editing is it depends because they they tend to have a half in the bag they have quite long form conversations um, so sometimes they're only really cutting in for the gags or whatever they're, they obviously don't put everything up there in their chat they cut out some stuff Mm-hmm. But it feels natural. But I suppose if you if you if you're constantly cutting, you can you can you can set a snappy pace or a snappy tempo. I suppose you know just by constantly cutting yourself. Um, so I get that. You're good, a good editor can do it for comedy and can get a lot of gags out of it without you know that you couldn't get obviously just in straight perf- yeah. delivering a piece kind of you know. It's it's funny you said that. I watched a, I was watching a video today, and one of the top comments was, "Can we give a shout out to the editor of this video?" Oh, really? And, I, and yeah. I was like, I was like, okay, I'll watch this. I'm interested to see. And the reason they were giving this guy or this whoever this woman the shout out was uh, because they put a Michael Jackson sound effect in at a point, and they put a, a funny thing going meow at a point. And that was it. It's like praise the editor because they put two put two sound effects in the video. I was just like, oh, YouTube comment section. Like, I, I was yeah. expecting to go in and see some crazy editing one. I was like, oh, this is going to be... I'm, like, I'm excited to see how good this editing is going to be. It was like, he put in, like, two funny sound effects and these are in an eight-minute video, and this is the best. Like, praise this editor. I was like, okay. It's pretty good for a YouTube comment. I mean, they're not, like, they're not talking about, you know, um, race wars or, or some weird conspiracy theory. So I suppose it's pretty good. Like, by by the standard of YouTube comments, like, it, 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 it's funny though because uh, I I see loads of comments about the editing on Double Toasted and it's grand, you know. I, it's like if if somebody really sees something, it's like okay, I'll change that. And uh, but I remember we were doing a video on uh, Scoob, the Scoob movie review for the animated movie, and hmm. uh, Corey was brought up. I think it was a trailer reaction video, and Corey brought up uh, Seven. And he was like, what if Scooby and Shaggy were, it was like seven and they're in the middle of the desert, like seven. And they, they opened the box and it's Daphne's head <laughs> in the box. And man, I, 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 I spent like, I don't know, it wasn't that long. I spent about half an hour getting a good quality image, photoshopping Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt out of that image, putting the cartoon image of Scooby and Shaggy into that image, getting an image of a box, putting that in, then I made a separate image of Daphne's head in a box and I put loads of blood. It's terrible Photoshop, but I don't think it needs to be good Photoshop because it's YouTube. 
and no, not one person comments on it in the whole. In yeah. the whole, there's there's two hundred comments, and not one person says oh, anything about the effort that was put into it. Yet someone puts a sound effect of Michael Jackson into a video, and it's like praise the editor. It's just it's just funny. That's just funny. Uh, that's funny about the difference, actually. If you think about it, between like a lot of uh, podcasts or podcasts that have some sort of a visual yeah. element to them. Like in the old days, they used to talk about um, they used to talk about radio, and they used to say it was like it was the theater of the mind. You know, you just needed a bit of, you just you know, for the thunder and lightning, you just needed tin foil, and you just needed someone to knock on a piece yeah. of hardwood for a door or whatever, so people could fill in the gaps for themselves. But if people are going to be watching on YouTube, you do have to do some sort of basic. You do have to add something to it rather than just, yeah. I guess, watching watching guys talking, I suppose, right? Yeah, like, I, I, I've often said, if I, had, if I, I don't know, because it's, 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 I often said to you about Double Toast that it's like, it's not like any other YouTube channel. We have to download a stream, edit the segment from 50 minutes down to 20 to 30 minutes to get on YouTube for an upload time. So the sacrifice of that comes sometimes with, you know, you do clean editing. That's what I've always said. Like, when I started a Double Toast, it was like, there was a lot of, there was not jump cuts, but just flash cuts. It was just flash. It, and there was so many of them, man. There was so many yeah. flashes. It was just, I didn't like the I didn't style at all. And I said to Corey, we should just use images and video footage to hide the cuts. That's simple as that. And people watch enough that they, and they know that this is a highlight video of a longer video. So if you do an, a, a, a cross dissolve or a cross fade on the audio, and they hear the audio go low and then the subject matter changes. They know, they know you know, audience know from watching stuff that we've, we've switched, you know, that we've cut something out there, but it's a clean, yeah, 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 yeah. it's a clean cut instead of a, a flash. I never like flash cuts, um, but it's just a style thing. The, obviously, I, 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 when you, when you said flash cut, I, I wasn't sure what you meant. And now I, I've seen them and it's I, it's a big ball of white. Yeah. It's just cut. It's just like people are talking big ball of white and they're on to the next subject or big ball of what, like if Corey brings up an actor, it's a big ball of white and it's, it's the actor and then a big ball of white and that actor's gone. But it's like, it's, it's, it's the opposite of a, it's the opposite of a fade really, isn't it? Like, uh, 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 into, into black and then, and then back out again. Yeah, yeah, it's the opposite of that, basically. Yeah, you basically bring the opacity up to go into the white and bring it down to come back out of it. But the thing was, I'm very, you know me, man, I'm very, I'm not a fancy editor. I look at, I look at Corey's show and how does, because Corey live edits his, like he's, he's um, live editing as he's doing it. He's using, he has a controller to cut to the other guests. Oh, that's kind of uh, cool. Yeah, so he, he's doing that live. So he can cut to the other guests, he can cut to his video streams and stuff. So to me, it's like, well, my job as an editor should be to hide the fact that we're editing his videos as best as we can. You know, mm. obviously, especially with the audio cuts, it's just hard because you just have to stop at, at a certain point. This segment is done. He's talked about this subject enough. Everybody's got the points across. Let's cut, even though they're still talking about that for two minutes, but not, no new information has been given. It's just rehashing the same information. So it's like cut there onto a new one. And it's like, that's the hardest part of editing but basically it's all cross dissolves and yeah. hard, hard cuts to images and, and footage because that's what Corey does in the show so if Corey's doing that in the live show I think as an editor I should just be mimicking what he's doing so it makes it just makes everything seamless and it makes it look like it looks and feels 
like one whole instead of a piece that's chopped up. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you can't hide the you can't hide the cut as well as um, as a uh, well whenever the audiences come back into the studios as well as a Colbert show or. Seth Meyers, because they can just use, they can use audience laughter. You can't really use one person's laughter to, to hide a cut, right? I mean, they, they, yeah. can, they can do that very easily. What, what would basically, with the cuts, I mean, that are like the ones where people will really notice the, the cut, even though I'll hide it under an image or whatever, but they'll, they'll know from the sound yeah. that there's a cut, is when somebody's yeah, yeah, yeah. laughing. So Corey might be laughing. <laughs> and, it, you know, it drops and then he's on. And then, and then he's just like, but this actor, you know, this actor was great in this thing. You can just tell from the, from the you know, but I think it's okay because, like I said, people know this is a highlight video. It's a smaller segment of a bigger... If you have a full, but if you have a full, if you have a full studio full of people laughing, that that covers that up, right? Not, not really. What covers it up? What covers it up is if you can find. I always break the reviews down into segments. Where he's talking about production design, he's talking about actors, he's talking about music, he's talking about whatever. I break it into sections. So if there's laughing here at the end of music, and then he starts talking about the actors, if there's not a natural progress of him laughing at some point in that where I can edit the two of them together and it seems like a natural progression, that's perfect. Because to me, that's per mm -hmm. the perfect cut because people won't notice it. It feels natural and it doesn't feel like anything. Yeah, cut. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 50-50 where that happens, you know? So I just try to make that. They're the, they're the only ones that it's like, you just have to get, you just have to do it. You just have to, you have to cut the video down. It has to be shorter. So you have, you yeah. just, certain cuts, you just have to do them, hide the cut, put a crossfade on the um, on the audio, and people will know. You know, it never. I've seen I've seen Red Letter Media do it. It never bothers me. You know, it's it's just a cut that has to happen. But uh, yeah, we've talked a lot about editing actually in this first like twenty minutes. We have, yeah. Well, it's, just, it's either it's either incredibly interesting to people or incredibly boring. What I what I will note though is that you use the word opacity. Which is yeah. the, this is our word. This is the initial thoughts podcast word of the day, opacity. Opacity. Because um, <laughs> I know I know what opaque is, so I was like, okay, I, I guess I know what that means, but I'd never heard the word before, so that's cool. Yeah, it is right, right? Isn't it opacity? Oh. The opacity when it's at a hundred percent, it's in full view. When it's at zero percent, oh. it's completely gone. Opacity. Um, yeah, no, that sounds that sounds right to me. Like I, I just hadn't hadn't heard the word before. Yeah, it's I have word. my I have my editor opened. Opacity, yes, it is opacity. I can confirm. Awesome. I really like that word. But uh, so, so, ladies talking, and gentlemen, the, talking the, about the, bad and good editing. Let's get into. Let's segue into Nick Cage. Yeah. So you watched a you watched a bad Nick Cage movie, and I watched a good, a really good Nick Cage movie. I think is the best way to introduce this item. It doesn't really need any more, does it? No, it really doesn't. No, we we were what? we we have a Nick Cage love going on from the last part, the episode of the podcast. Yeah, because he was all, he was awesome in the Spider Man. Um, the I don't know how like that probably could have been a morning's work. I don't know how those animated um, mm. features work schedule wise. I think they're in and out pretty quick. I would imagine. He hadn't. He didn't um, have much lines. Definitely only a day or two, maybe. I'd, I'd be. They were all. They were all one-liners. I don't know if they're if they're talking over the finished footage or if it's like an animatic kind of thing or what. But like it's all all one-liners, man. <laughs> Imagine all one-liners. No character development, right? Just one-liners. Here, here's your script. Here's, here's your script. Here's all your lines. Well, you see, this is this is great. You know, I can never like this. 
A, B, C, D, E, F, G. No, no, well, Netflix. This, so this is why we want to talk about Nicolas Cage, because if, if you like movies, you have to accept the fact that a lot of people make fun of Nicolas Cage and say like, oh, another film with Nicolas Cage, he sucks. And Nicolas does like, I don't think there's that many actors that can like at his peak are, are as talented as him or can do what he does, yet he just, you know, like some actors, maybe he makes bad choice or whatever, but he ends up in a lot of movies that suck. Um, but the good ones are so good. And then the bad ones are, I don't know, because he's sure he's like professional and he shows up on time and stuff, but he just, I don't know, he looks kind of bored and so on, doesn't he? Yeah, he lo- yeah, he, he, some of them are obviously, he must do, I don't know, I, I haven't looked it up. He must do about five movies a year and four of them are just paycheck movies and there might be one movie that he's actually passionate about. That's actually why I brought we brought Nick Cage up when I was on the phone saying what we'll talk about this week. He has his new movie out this week, Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah, yeah. Which like it's like what what age is Nick Cage? Like in his fifties, I suppose Keanu Reeves is in his fifties too, and he's kicking ass as John Wick. But like Nick Cage in a film called Jiu Jitsu with Tony Jaa, and a great martial artist, and it's like a rip on Predator. I don't know if you ended up watching the trailer, but it's like a rip on Predator. There's like an alien in the forest, as far as I remember, and they're all trying to kill it. And it's like okay, Nick Cage in a Predator movie with martial artists, fair, called Jiu Jitsu, fair enough. Oh, okay, so it's not you haven't actually seen the the movie, no? No, that movie's out this Friday. Ah, okay. So well, gonna, we can definitely. I'm, yeah, we're gonna try it. Well, I'm I'm definitely probably gonna hopefully be able to review it for next week, but uh, hopefully you let's, can as well. Let's talk about Nick Cage every every episode if we possibly can. However long this this that, this podcast. That's the continues. that's gonna let's, be our thing. We're gonna slip a Nicholas Cage thing into every single podcast. I had a, so I, the, the reason why we were talking about him was um, also because I watched, uh, I watched Adaptation, which I haven't seen, yeah. I don't know, since like shortly after it came out. I didn't see it in the cinema or anything, but I remember seeing it on television. Um, and that's like one of the best Nick Cage movies. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I said it to you when you said it, I was like, that is one of his best. Obviously, his most popular ones are Connor or The Rock, Gone in 60 Seconds. Blah, 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 Snake Eyes, um, but Leaving Las Vegas, Adaption. <sighs> Mandy's very popular. I'd say Mandy's up there with with, with, um, with a lot of people as one of their favourite Nick Cage movies. Does he, does he play two people in it though? Himself that's, and his own twin brother? <laughs> and that's, that's, no, he, he just, it's just, yeah. have you seen Mandy now? No, I haven't, no, no. It's an art house movie, revenge movie. It's, Crazy. Oh, okay. It, it, lets, it, it, it lets Nick, Nick off the list. <laughs> He's off the list. You know, he, in uh, like kind of the remake of Bad Lieutenant style off, uh, off the loose or? No, man. He's off the loose in a controlled way. Yeah, I think the director knew. It's the same way he's off the loose in Snake Eyes, but it's not terrible. Where when he's off the loose in like Bad Lieutenant or Ghost Rider 2, it just doesn't, just doesn't work. Oh, do you? I think Bad Lieutenant is great. I don't like the movie. But I say I don't like a lot of these movies, but I like Nick Cage. Nick Cage's craziness gets me through them. Like, The mm. Wicker Man is, is what I watched, man. And it's like, the movie's so dull and boring and awful. But every time Nick Cage is on screen, it's just so much fun, man. Like, he's just, it's just so fun. What's the deal with with that movie? Because I um I haven't I haven't seen it, but I've watched um 
uh, the English film critic Mark Kermode, I've watched, uh, like a lot of these critics, he's, he's, his more famous videos are ones when he's, he's making fun of movies, when he's taking the piss out of them. Yeah. And his, his review of the Wicker Man remake is particularly funny because um, it just sounds like, I don't know, it sounds like I, I don't want to waste my time watching it, but I, I kind of really want to watch it. So like the guy... The, who who wrote and directed it? Neil Abuse is a really good playwright. I don't think I've seen any of his movies. His plays are really good. The the best way I can describe the movie, man, is there's a trailer. Out. Somebody took the Wicker Man, re-edited the trailer, and put that kind of '90s comedy music over it, and and it works. Do you know that? Dun, 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 dun. This is Nick Cage in a family oh, movie. You know, it's it's like yeah. that sort of trailer. And uh, and it works, like that music and voice works. It works really well, and that's the how can the serious horror movie also be cut as a trailer and work that funny? Like, and uh, is, is, is there a the, bit where he where he says, "Madam, step away from the bicycle." Is that a real? Is that a real? Yeah, bit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He steals uh, he steals the bike, and he's going right. That's that's a real joke, though, right? That's supposed to be a joke, or is the movie just so weird that you don't know? I, 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 if man, like, it's very hard to tell because I, I, I would assume that they know it's a joke. They surely know it's a joke, but the rest of the movie around this doesn't play it like that. Like, yeah, like he's dressed as a bear. He is dressed as a bear and punches a woman. You know, he just walks up to her, punches her. There's, there's a. There's a scene where um, there's a scene where uh, he's just fed up of everything, and he just walks up. Um, it's your woman. I think it's your woman who's um, uh, Waterboy's mother. I can't remember the actress's name. She was in that Clint Eastwood movie last year as well about your man finding the bombs. But uh, I can't remember her name. But she was the Waterboy's mother. You know, foosballs for the devil. Uh, he walks up to horror. She's in the Wicker Man, and he she's she's kind of smirking at him in in a you know she knows that he, you know everything that's going on, and he just walks up and punches her, and it's just so dry humor, man, that it's funny, but it just the whole movie is just everything without Nick Cage is so boring. His wife in the movie or girlfriend, she's just it's everything with her boring, you know, and that's the that's the problem with the movie. It's just. It's like literally everything outside. If this was any other actor, man, it just there, it, people wouldn't even talk about it as a bad movie because people just would say that was shit. I never think mm. of it again. But because Nick Cage is in it doing crazy shit, and it's Nick Cage, that's where the movie's found its its second life, basically, as as a kind of cult favorite. Yeah, because it's got well, it's it's kind of a thing that's got good pedigree. Because it was at a time when they were remaking everything, and you're like, oh no, it's like oh, it's got Nick Cage, and that director's pretty good, so this might be okay. But what they they it's it's women versus men instead of instead of pagans versus Christians, kind of basically, isn't that the the, the new spin they put on it? Yeah, there's there was a lot of thing that it's basically feminism against men, and men aren't allowed under usually Loudon Island and, and all this weird stuff. Um, so it's Wonder Woman's Island. Yeah, in a, in a way, actually. Yeah, Wonder Woman's Island. Uh, so, yeah, I've never seen the original, man, to, to be honest. So I, I I remember, I just watched The Wicker Man the first time because I heard it was bad. 
and I was not in the mood to watch something serious. I wasn't looking for an intellectual. I wasn't looking for a blockbuster. I was just looking for something to just have fun and have it on and and watch like. And that's why I first watched The Wicker Man years ago. But uh, the yeah, original one is the original one's really weird, scary movie. It's it's creepy. Yeah, this isn't creepy. They they try to do a creepy shot with a woman covered in um covered in bees, and it's just funny. I it's the execution of the idea that makes it funny more than the. Like, I don't know, the idea of a woman covered in bees is, is, like, I don't even think it's that really much of a creepy image, not in modern society, but, like... Covered in bees? Maybe uh. maybe when I was a kid it might have scared me, but as an adult, it, like, I would just be like, okay, what the fuck? Well, you've probably, queen, seen, queen Yogi, bee? You've <laughs> probably seen Yogi Bear covered in bees because he... You know, he was stealing their honey. I don't honey, know. Honey, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, man. So depends, then, on the, depends on the context, like everything, I suppose, right? If something's executed well or, or you know, I mean, something, same. Yeah. Someone it, could fall down the stairs in a comedy and it's funny and someone can fall down the stairs and, and you know, hard cut to the funeral home. That's <laughs> like, okay, that was that, bad. That's what I mean in execution, man. Like, so that line when he's taking the, when he's taking the bike, if you if you do you know over the shoulder shots, tight angles, maybe it's a bit more dramatic and builds tension. And if you have music, maybe it mm. can come across. I don't know how to be honest, but maybe. But instead, it's done if I remember right in a wide shot. And comedy is usually more wide shots. Everything's wide, you know. Even close ups are on wide angle lenses usually because it's supposed to exaggerate stuff. That's for comedic effect. Or usually in comedy, you see something where everything's tight, everything's tight, there's music, there's music, and then they bang cut to a wide shot without the music to show how ridiculous the situation is. That's a comedic effect thing that they do. Yeah. And in this, yeah. they're not doing a comedy. They just, it's a wide angle. And, and even when it's tighter, it's still wide. It's like a wide, like it's like a long shot from stomach up, mm. belly button up. So uh, it just, it just doesn't, it doesn't work, you know. That's where the execution from a filmmaking standpoint just doesn't work in the movie. Sometimes it's funny with, with movies, no matter how skillful people are or how many films they've made or how much they're kind of following their good instinct or whatever, sometimes stuff just doesn't come together for whatever reason, no matter how much, you know what I mean? There's a weird alchemy about filmmaking that sometimes just doesn't happen, right? Well, Here's the other side of that, unless it's intentional, as you said. Unless it's an intent, unless it's shot that way intentionally. Unless uh, the director knew, you know, and he just he done it intentionally. And that yeah, again, like the bear punching the woman is done in a wide shot. You know, he walks up in a wide shot, and it's like that's where Do you I'm think coming the cage in. came up to him and saw the like he saw the costumes section, and and they had just a kind of a stock. They just kind of had a stock set of costumes that they bring everywhere, and he he went up to the director and he said, "What if I, what if I wore a bear costume and punched a woman?" And I, I, the butte said, "Well, okay." I actually picture it like uh, the scene from what Gone in I, sixty seconds. Have you seen Gone in sixty seconds? Uh, not for a long time. Not for there's, a long time. There's yeah. a scene where he's playing the music, and it's to get everybody hyped before they do the heists. And he's mm. sitting there listening, and everybody's dancing, and all the younger high people are looking at him, and he's sitting there with the fingers, and he's like let's go or let's ride or whatever and then everybody leaves it's like him sitting there and he, he's sitting there to the director's talking and he's like i have an idea i'll be back <laughs> and then he leaves <laughs> they're sitting on set like what the fuck's in the cage and then here he comes <laughs> in the bear suit 
You've got to get on an edit of that where he where he comes back in the bear suit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I have an I have an idea. <laughs> I have an idea. Just I have uh, me idea. in a bear costume. <laughs> <laughs> and in the bear costume, I'll punch a woman. It'll be great. It'll be my Oscar scene. <laughs> we'll run the Oscars and they're playing them moments. It'll be Nick Cage. <laughs> Nick Cage Actually, for Nick Cage impressions, right, the best Nick Cage impression is done that I've ever seen by John Travolta in Face, Face Off. Off. Yeah. When yeah. they swap yeah. each other and Face John Travolta... John Travolta does Nicolas Cage in it really, yes. really well. Not in a mean way or anything. Like he just, no, he, he just tried yeah, yeah. Yes, man. Yeah. I flip, man. I forgot about Face. Face Off is such a fun film to watch. It's ridiculous. It's a very fun. But it's yeah, fun yeah. as hell to watch. Uh, I have no man. I might watch Face Off now tonight. Now that you've said that, I haven't watched Face Off in so long. But you're right. Oh, it's from right. what I remember, yeah, John Travolta is great in that movie. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's having. He's just having a ball. He's enjoying himself the whole way through it. Like he's, he's, uh, he's great. That's right. Because Nick Cage starts the movie and he's his character and he's fucking nuts. I remember that. Yeah. So then when the switch happens, Nick Cage has to just come down to zero, but John Travolta has to go up to ten. And it, yes, 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 yes. You're right. He does. Man, I can't impersonate anybody. That's. But I don't give a shit. That's what I find funny that I can't impersonate anybody because. Uh, no, it's okay. A, a girl in college used to be like, uh, "You can't do, you can't do voices, and you can't do impersonations." It's so funny when you do them, and I'm like, "But that's the point. It's supposed to be funny when you do it. You know. Sometimes it's not as it's not as funny if you could impersonate them good. Because you know what happens? Everybody goes, Jesus, you're really good at doing that voice, aren't you?'" But this, that's not as funny as somebody not being able to do the impression, do the impression badly. Uh, yeah, I, I find a lot of um, people who do, like, I, when you do a caricature of, of someone rather than actually doing a good impression, a lot of impressionists, the script just kind of consists of them kind of saying, like, the thing of, of the subtext of what their observation about the person is, person is you know? So if they get yeah. the voice right and the person speaks slowly, they'll just keep saying, well, I'm going to speak very slowly. And you're going, oh, you're just describing what you're doing. Why don't, why don't you do yeah. something new? Whereas people do a character more like a grotesque, an exaggeration that basically, like, doesn't bear any resemblance to them at all, apart from one small thing. It's often, like when South Park do it, right? They don't even try to do the voice. They're just like, yeah, that's you. You know, Mel Gibson, yeah. they just get a little Mel Gibson face. <laughs> yeah, but it was like me doing walking last week. Just like, I can't do a Christopher Walken's voice, but I do. I can just do, you know, your father, give me this watch. And this watch yeah, travels a yeah, long yeah, way yeah. to get to you. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just sentences. It's just, he just breaks every line into a sentence, basically. Yeah, and also, it's not really that, in a way, it's not that impressive to be able to do a Christopher Walken impression because he's one of the, like, if people can kind of do impressions. Yeah, yeah. Christopher Walken is one of the, yeah, you just do the rhythm. Yeah, a, lot of people can, rhythm yeah. a lot of people can do them. It's like if you, you want to do De Niro, this doesn't work for the podcast, but you, you know, you, you kind of do the face and that's you it. Like, the it's, eyes. it's not that impressive if you can't do it. You know? I've got nipples, Greg. Can you milk me? <laughs> Still my favourite yeah, De Niro line of all time. <laughs> my, I have a screen acting teacher, I remember telling me, he goes, oh, it just suddenly came out after me going to him for years. He was like, uh, oh, Mr. De Niro there. I was like, what? And I remember looking back going, I'm 
somehow doing a Robert De Niro face without realizing it from watching all those movies when I was 16, 17. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember <laughs> it when, comes yeah. out of you. We'll, we'll get back onto our topic, but I remember when we were doing Gorriers that uh, you had to do that bit and you were doing it as De Niro. You're like, you th- you're talking to me? You're talking to me? And I was like, God, he's pretty good at that. I think I was doing Robert De Niro as Joe Pesci, though, because Robert De Niro was screaming a lot more than he screams in real life. So that's, that, that's actually right. Yeah, you were you're like, there's no one else around, so you must be looking at me. You're just trying to read your book in the corner. Well, it was like, because it was one of those scenes that was set up to just be improvised. and if That's what it was. Yeah, it was one of those if, improvised if, scenes. If nothing's happening, um, then just to, like, to just start shouting... To be honest, it's not funny. I don't think really, but it it kind of you can get a laugh out of it. You can get a laugh out of a crew. Do you know, it's like the difference between getting a laugh out of each other on a set and actually doing Being, something that's kind of orchestrated yeah. that that ends up in the movie that people understand. You know, the, the, the funniest thing you did was uh, when we stunned the promo where your one was being a bitch to everybody, and you just come in and she's not paying attention to you, and you just start screaming. Oh, that was the that was the gag actually as well. That was that yeah. that worked well. That gag, that, yeah, that did work well. Yeah, that was actually legit funny. So it was because she's I I'm filming all these people coming in and she's just been a, a bitch to all of them, and you come in knowing what she's like, so you just fucking scream at her, and she's That's just looking like, at you, and, give, and then you're like, thank you very much, <laughs> and away with you. That, that, that promo worked quite well, yeah, because the yeah. gag was all the couriers are coming in and she deliberately pretends she can't see them to delay them, and they're like. Yeah. Time is, is money, like the more pickups they get, the more money they get, the more drops, whatever. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so his one was just to scream as loud as he could to, to terrify her. To terrify her, yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, we, we, we'll get back on track because, yeah, we, we went off track. But yeah, you talk a bit about uh, adaption, man, because I, I, oh, I seen it a while ago and it was so, I remember it being so good. Adaptation is like, so I dug, I, I did a little, only a tiny bit of research on it because I don't talk about the movie rather than getting sucked down one of these Wikipedia rabbit holes and then people uh-huh. don't understand what the hell I'm talking about. So Adaptation's got Chris, it's got two Nicolas Cages in it. It's got Nicolas Cage as Charlie Kaufman, who is the real life guy who wrote the script. So it's a fictional portrayal of himself and his twin brother, um, also a made up character for the movie, his, his, his identical twin brother, Donald, who... Um, they're both screenwriters working on scripts and Charlie Kaufman wants to make a movie about this book called the, the orchid thief. Um, and he, he's talking early on in the book about, it's going to be a beautiful thing. He wants to make a movie about flowers and he's going to be the first ever person to write a movie about flowers and how beautiful they are. And it's going to be this unique thing where all the while his brother is, is writing screenplay and he's going to, People who know about films will know this. People who don't maybe won't have heard of Robert McKee, um, who's the, the scriptwriting guru, um, who, you know, has got all the rules. This is how you're supposed to write your script. You do this, you find your this on page 10, blah, blah, blah. And his brother wants to have split personality character who actually all the three characters in the movie, the main character is actually one character. Yeah, and wouldn't yeah. that be a cool thing to find out at the end? And he's even got like, oh, I'm going to use visual motifs. I'm going to use, um, I'm going to use like a cracked mirror. There's always going to be cracked mirrors and cracked glass to show the fractured personality and everything. So you yeah. know, this is all this stuff that Charlie Kaufman has obviously encountered at some stage in his real life, um, yeah. and is trying to resist or whatever. But what the movie actually is about is him not being able 
to do what he wanted to do, which is make a movie about how beautiful flowers are. Because it jumps back and forth between um, Meryl Streep, who is the character, the writer who's written the book that he's mm. supposed to be adapting. And she becomes infatuated, we think, anyway, early on, with Chris Cooper, who uh, knows how to cultivate these orchids. And he goes to these, these um, parts of the, I don't know what you call it, like the Everglades, the jungle almost in, in Florida. And he's finding these orchids. So it's, just, it's kind of jumping back and forth in the, in the storyline. And maybe you should meet her, maybe you should whatever. But in the end, even though he says at one point in the movie, I don't want to put car chases, I don't want to put guns, I don't want to put anything in the movie. Him and his brother end up following them to find out because they have a suspicion that they've been having a romantic relationship, right? That wasn't put into the book. And then years later, they're, they're, they try to track them down. Yeah. Um, and so... It, 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 to cut a long story short, it ends with Chris Cooper being eaten by an alligator, which is not a movie about flowers being beautiful. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of a movie about him failing to make the beautiful movie that he wanted or the beautiful screenplay that he wanted to make. Um, and kind of like his brother, his brother is like, he's making fun of the idea of, um, you know, having split personalities, everyone else split personalities. His, his, his twin brother is kind of his alter ego who wants to put in stuff that, you know, kind of dumb movie stuff. And that's kind of what happens to the movie. Yeah. So it's really weird. Um, like a lot of people, uh, the guy who wrote it, Charlie Kaufman has done a lot of, um, yeah. A lot, of, a lot of strange stuff, but there's a really beautiful kind of emotional core to all of his stuff that he writes, even though, you know, it goes off in these fantastical directions and you can't tell whether you're inside a story or you're inside two stories or maybe you're inside three different stories. Yeah. But there's always, there's this just beautiful kind of a mournful thing of these people looking for meaning in life and, and stuff like that. And Cage does the manic stuff in it. And he also plays the, the Charlie Kaufman, the sensitive screenwriter who's, who's shy. He's afraid to talk to girls. It's comedy. I mean, it's, mo- yeah, yeah. it's pretty much is mostly a comedy, but there's just these lovely, lovely, sweet, sweet moments in it. Um, he, uh, I don't know how many times he wakes up in the movie because he's, he's jerking off because someone he's met in a coffee shop who, who like talks to him for five seconds. He suddenly is a fantasy. <laughs> yeah, They've gone yeah. to an orchid fair together. I think it's Maggie Gyllenhaal actually <laughs> is one of them. Um, it's, I, you, you haven't seen it for a while you were saying? No, I haven't seen it man for, I own it on DVD. So it's been a long time since I've seen it. And yeah. I always actually, I, I, um, uh, What's the film with, is it Will Farrell where he's writing, somebody's writing a book, but he's real? Oh, Emma Thompson is writing a book. I can't remember the name of it, yeah. actually. Um, yeah. Yeah. I Sometimes I get the both of them a little bit mixed just because I saw them roughly around the same time and I've only seen each of them once. And I always have to be like, no, they're not the, they're not the same movie. But uh no, the only thing uh, I haven't seen him on, so I, I have to, I, I I haven't seen it in years. I have to watch it uh, again. I don't. I have it on DVD. I need to try to fish it out and watch it because I don't know. In my DVD closet, there's loads of them. Um, but uh, the only thing I would say was um, what you were saying about the sweet things. I think Charlie Kaufman's such a unique writer. I don't know if you've ever read any of his scripts. He writes these big long descriptions. Usually, you know. Mm. 
a lot of writers are like one line of description for action, three lines for drama, and then have your dialogue, and then you know to kind of pace the read. Yeah. But he just writes these big ass like novel esque descriptions, like loads of descriptions. Like I remember reading the start of John yeah, yeah, Malkovich, yeah. and there's just a shit ton of description. And um, but he always gets the emotional stuff right. I think. Mm. No, out of all the weirdness that happens in his movies and the craziness when it comes to the absolute core of it, it's always emotionally written and executed like perfect, which is why I think he's such a, I haven't watched his new film yet. And um, that's on Netflix, but I'm going to see it next to him. I used to, uh, yeah, he, this is actually, I think he, this, this was, he's adapted. Actually speaking of, of adaptation, I think this one is the first movie that he's, he's directed on. Um, that's right. The, the that's script. Right. The script is adapted from a fairly well-known book. I hadn't heard of it, actually, the book, but apparently it is fairly, fairly well-known. Oh, okay, yeah. I haven't, I haven't, I'm thinking, I haven't watched it yet. I'm thinking of ending things. Yeah, I watched the first five minutes yeah. of it one night, and I realized I just want to watch something stupid where someone punches someone. I, I, I can't, I can't, I don't, I'm not going to watch this now. So that's about as far as I got, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. It, um, it, he's... Yeah, I think that's why they have rewatchability factor, the, the movies, because they actually have, like that Will Ferrell one I saw not that long ago and I had never seen it. And it's one of those ones where you kind of go, it's kind of about all, it's all about the form. Like, oh, this is a story within a story and the person is telling the story. And he's, but I don't know, I just, Will Ferrell is not, maybe it's the script, yeah, but well, yeah, yeah. he's not, I don't know, he can carry a movie in like in an emotional way, you know, I think he's, he's, He's maybe he's gotten because he's a bit you know he's gotten middle aged and he wants to do more meaningful stuff. But I think he's better when he's doing comedy. It's it's very it's hard outright comedy. It's very hard as well for um, look at Jim Carrey and stuff, dramatic actors to uh, com- comedic actors to to break out. Like even Chris Rock is trying to do it now. He yeah, Carrey Carrey could do it though. Stuff. Yeah, Carrey had Ken, the talent. Like Carrey can do it. Um, he just wasn't. Um, I actually think Jim Carrey now would probably do better because I think people have for, not that they've forgotten because it's Jim Carrey, but he hasn't made a good comedy movie in what twenty years, fifteen years. Was he in one with Penguins a couple of years ago? I just yeah, remember that, the poster. That, that was terrible, <laughs> man. That was the, 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 he was in Fun with Dick and Jane was like his last, I think, decent hit as a comedy, and even Fun with Dick and Jane wasn't that funny. It was like one or two funny moments in it, but his his real he he really started to go on after like me myself and Irene I think his comedic films just started to drop and drop, and uh, and then he was trying to get into drama and I think now he probably probably get away with more dramas now. I think Steve Carell made a good shift into dramas. He's he a went, good actor. He's a good actor. Yeah, he went from the yeah. comedy, he went from Office and all these comedies to like. Foxcatcher and uh, The Way Way Back. Is that what it's called? The Way Way Back? I think that's what it was called. Um, and, he, you know, it was like, oh, okay. This, I'm not buying him as a, a comedian anymore. You know, I was like, I'm seeing this guy as an actor now. Because um, no, Steve Carell's a really funny comedian, but, like, pretty much, if if I see Steve Carell as in a comedy, and I know it's a comedy, I probably won't watch it, because it's usually an indication that it's going to be 
shit. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. just keep making crap movies and putting these yeah. really talented people in it. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I've never, I haven't seen Kate McKinnon is so funny in Saturday Night Live, but I've, I've any movie I've seen her in is just, yeah. it's like guarantee it's gonna suck. You know? Yeah, yeah. Because the comedians aren't the driving force usually. And Steve Carell's not a big no. enough name. He's not like, he's never been at the heights that like Jim Carrey was in the 90s, where Jim Carrey was like a, a movie star. Steve Carell. Where, where you can show up on set and go, whoa, I guess he's in, he's, he's in character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my, yeah, man and the, what was it? What was that film? Oh, that's I'm, such a great I'm, performance by Carrey as well in that movie. Uh, it is, I really, I really liked it, yeah. I, I kind of wish yeah. I hadn't seen the documentary about the 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 behind the scenes stuff because sometimes it demystifying things get demystified you know yeah it, yeah so yeah i suppose but uh do you have anything else to say on nick cage i'm thinking at some point in the future man we should r- role reverse this because i haven't seen it ad- adaptation in a long time i should watch it you should watch wicko man and we can come back maybe not a full segment uh, but we can come back and do a little you know i watch this no, and i, I watch I'd- this I think I think we should definitely do that because um, yeah, I'd be interested to hear you talking about about adaptation um, because I I could hear myself talking about it and all I could hear was just kind of garbage tumbling out of my mouth. So I don't I don't know if I did a very good job of explaining the movie, um, but it's it kind of has to be seen. It's pretty difficult to. But see, um, that's the thing I was going to say to you. It's a Charlie Kaufman movie, man. It's very hard to explain any Charlie. The, probably the simplest one is Eternal Sunshine because it's like this guy wants to get rid of memories of his ex and these people start taking the memories away from him. But then he realizes he doesn't want to get rid of some of the memories and he's fighting to keep them. You could kind of break. If, if someone said, what's it about? You could kind of say that to someone and it is kind yeah. of. It's a, as a basic structure of movie, that's where the plot is. But obviously the movie's a lot deeper. Um, it's it's yeah, the movie's yeah. just amazing. Um, but yeah, like I I can't I've seen adaptation once, man. I can't really remember it. And uh, but I, I explaining any Charlie Kaufman movie would really be be tough. Like, but I got the gist of it. Like, I really want to watch it again because, like I said, I've seen it before. And the fact if I've seen something and can remember anything of it, man, it's either it was really bad or it was really good. But I remember it being, I remember it enjoying it. But I, for some reason, I never bought it on it. Uh, I got it on DVD. That's when I did watch it on DVD. For some reason, I never bought it on Blu-ray. Maybe I've just never came across it to buy it on Blu-ray. Uh, could have been, yeah. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, maybe they haven't brought it back out again. It's from 2002. Yeah. I, yeah, when, see, it's probably just, it's not a popular movie, so I probably don't see it on my recommendations or anything, you know what I mean? Not particularly. I, need- it was, I, was, I was looking at, um, it's directed by Spike Jones with a Z, who um, I, I thought had done more movies. He did, like, he did be in John Malkovich. He seems to have been, like, credited as a writer or a producer on all of the Jackass movies. <laughs> um, okay. And he did her a few years ago, which I, which I haven't seen. Oh, he directed um, horror, did he? Yeah, I've, yeah. Seen, I've seen horror, man. Yeah, it's it's um, it's weird movie. It's it's, it's, it's a, I can see the praise for it. It's not my cup of tea as far as a movie, uh, but I can definitely see why people liked it. Yeah, yeah. Like you know the whole thing of falling in love with an AI, but then the AI, yeah, I've seen it once. I watched it when it was all the buzz at the Oscar time, and I watched it, and I was like, I can see why Oscars love this. It's just not. Like, I, you know, I'm not buying this on Blu-ray and re-watching it yet, you know? Mm. Uh, so, 
Uh, so yeah, I'd say, I'd say that man. We've done about as far as Nick Cage does. We've talked for a good forty minutes about. Uh, yeah, I, and let's I, not talk about um, Nick Cage. Yeah, the Oscars. Oh, her. Oh, it's so it's so bold. A man who falls in love with a robot instead of a yeah. man who cheats on his wife with their with their maid. You know, that's the morals of Hollywood. We don't need to. We don't need to get into that. Give us. Give me a job, um, please. Give me a job. Just one movie. I'll pay for me most of my, anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's my that's my audition pitch. It's my audition pitch to Hollywood. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, I don't know because we talked a bit. I, I we need to stop talking about this on the phone. But uh, what have you what did you watch over the weekend last few days? Any any recommendations for anybody? Uh, if, I'll I'll tell you what I watched, and then I'll go to the specific thing I recommended. No, well I won't. So there's a movie I watched that I didn't enjoy as much as I thought it would, which is probably just end up annoying people and I'd have to explain why uh, so I won't say it uh, but I watched Paddleton which I really liked oh yeah, um, yeah. I want so to know Paddleton this on a video is, <laughs> okay well I'll tell you I'll tell you at the end okay. um, Paddleton is um, it's a really simple movie it's it's Ray Romano and Mark Duplass oh, yeah. Mark Duplass who we know from uh, I kind of he looks vaguely familiar but we know him from Creep as the co-writer and co-star of Creep, the, the two Creep movies. Yeah. Which are found footage, ultra, 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 ultra low budget. Um, yeah. Particularly like anyone problem. could make them. Yeah. Anyone could make them. From a technical point of view, obviously you need to know how to tell a story and stuff, but anyone mm-hmm. theoretically could make those movies. So anyway, Mark, um, Mark Duplass is diagnosed with terminal cancer. Ray Romano's his best pal who lives upstairs. Uh, and he he finds out the he gets a prescription to get hold of a, a, a kind of a cocktail of drugs right you take one pill and you take another one then you wait a few hours and you take all these to to end his life mm-hmm. um, and they can't get them anywhere close by so they go on a road trip basically together six hours away to get it um, and you're just pretty much spending time with the two with the two characters. The, the title of the movie, Paddleton, comes from this game they've invented that they played together. In, and it's like it's a beautiful image of this, this disused, um, abandoned, uh, a drive-in movie, drive-in movie place. So there's this big screen with nothing on it. And they hit, like they're playing, I guess I don't know what the game is, squash or racquetball, right? Where you hit the ball up against the thing and you're both oh, you're yeah, parallel yeah, yeah, yeah. to each other. And they've got, a, they've got a barrel that they've got to try and land it in to, to win the game. And it's, I don't know where it's set. It's like a kind of an American, it's a kind of a Midwestern town, like Rust Belt kind of, you know, just this particular image of the, at the center of the thing is, is beautiful. This place where they played this game is just this really stark, yeah. empty. Um, but yeah, it's, what is it? I mean, it's 85, 90 minutes long, something in that realm. And it's just, it's just two people in a relationship as one is, one is going to end their life. The other one doesn't want to, he doesn't want it to happen. So he kind of, even though he's supposed to be supporting him, Ray Romano's character, decides to try and hide the medication on him and stuff like that. I won't, I won't give too many specifics. Yeah. But, um, it, uh, yeah, you're just, you're just fit to burst into tears at the end, but also, yeah. you know, it's kind of life affirming. It's, it's like those, it's like those movies. I said this to you on the phone. It's, it's the typical structure of 
someone's about to die movie and then they spend the movie with uplifting moments of making this person happy and then they die at the end and everybody cries because you've got attached to this character. Uh, yeah. It's, it's kind of the same as a dog movie. <laughs> they always get you attached to this dog because it's easy to make people get attached to a dog and then they kill it at the end of the movie to make everybody cry and sad. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, it's why I never watched This is like Ma- for all Marvel the... <laughs> Oh, well, I think there's other reasons not to watch Marley and Me. Um, uh, yeah, I've no interest much in that. Well, well people said, um, oh, this movie's so sad. And I said, well, obviously the dog dies at the end. Like, don't be telling me a dog movie is really sad. Obviously, the fucking dog dies at the end of the movie if you're telling me it's really sad. Yeah. As uh, spoiler alert, n- neither of us have seen this movie, exactly. but, we knew, we, but we knew that. <laughs> yeah, that, man, I knew it as soon as somebody said, I remember reading about it when it first came out, it was like, it's really sad. I was like, well, I'm not watching it because obviously the end of the dog just dies. So I don't, don't want to go in and get attached to this goddamn dog and leave me in bits at the end of the movie. Screw that shit. But I, I had a film in my head that was um, similar to what, you were talking, so you'd recommend you'd recommend that you think it's one of the better of those type of movies. Man, it's 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 um, the the relationship between the between the two characters, Mark Duplass and Ray Romano, who is a particularly um, the end of the movie. There's a new, there's a mother and her kid moving in next door or, or into the apartment where Duplass is recent, just passed away. Uh, you know he's moved out, and they're moving in, and he ju- he has this incredibly awkward attempted conversation with his new neighbours. Um, it's not even about an emotional thing that he's struggling to talk to them because they moved into the apartment. It maybe is a bit, but it's just his character um, is is fantastic. The relationship between the two of them is so simple. They watch kung fu movies and they eat pizza. Yeah, yeah. That's that's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just it's so um, I don't know. It's just so lovely. It's so <laughs> it's very realistic. You just think, yeah, I that just seems like a really fun way to be. You got your one, you got your one buddy you hang around with. You yeah. play your weird, your weird kind of tennis game. Yeah. You eat pizza and you watch kung fu. It just seems like a lovely, simple <laughs> life. Yeah, yeah not yeah. compli- not complicated by um. I don't know. The need bitches. to worry about your <laughs> social media feeder. Yeah, bitches. Yeah. Bitches. Yeah. <laughs> none of that. None of that. Um, but so that's on Netflix. Ray Romano. Yeah, it's on. It's on Netflix. Ray Romano is um, from 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 everybody loves Raymond. Obviously, it was yeah, his own yeah. sitcom. But um, yeah, he's a really good actor. Yeah, he's a really good actor. Yeah, yeah. I haven't uh, seen. I don't so think I, yeah. I've seen him in. Well, I've seen him in The Irishman. Wasn't he in The Irishman? Wasn't he? Uh, he was. Yeah, he was yeah, a kind of. Like, he was a mob lawyer or something in it, wasn't he? For two minutes or something. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, no, but at least yeah. it's, it's on Netflix. Was there anything else? Uh, no, I, I didn't. I got bored of The Big Lebowski after about an hour, which I still oh, yeah, laughed the whole yeah. way through it, but I kind of got bored of it and I didn't expect to. I was watching it with my wife who, wasn't, who hadn't seen it. I wasn't enjoying it as much as me. So I laughed back can a lot. That can kill it. That can kill it as well, I think. It can. I laughed a lot and I really wanted to buy some Kahlua um, and some cream so I could make some white Russians. So I think I'm going to drink some white Russians over Christmas because um, performances in it are great. But yeah, it might have been because my wife wasn't enjoying it. I mean, I was just laughing like a drain every time 
John Goodman opening. Oh, John head. Goodman is so good. This is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass. <laughs> well, I got I got slightly I got slightly bored, even though the the whole bit. Um, I mean, you get to the. You get to the kind of the with the Kenny Rogers music playing the whole sequence when he's uh he's it's a trip basically, right? And Saddam yeah. Hussein is handing out the even that bit. I was kind of I always loved that bit and I was kind of just bored going, Yeah, yeah, I know this bit. So could have been a mood thing, could have, I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I said it to you the other day that every time it hits that Julianne Moore bit, the movie starts to lose me a bit. And I'm not hating because you know, man, Coen Brothers are my well, my favorite directors for years, and they're joint top now with Dennis Villeneuve as my top filmmakers. Like I own all mm. their stuff on Blu-ray. Um, but something about The Big Lebowski, I've always liked it. I've never loved it as much as other people. I love John Goodman and Jeff Bridges and performances, but there is something about that plot. As soon as he starts to meet Julianne Moore, where the plot starts to disinterest me, and I start to get a bit bored by the movie. Now I haven't watched it in a few years. So I need to, and that's why I haven't watched it in a few years. While I watch No Country for Men yearly, I watch Fargo probably yearly, you know, um, and some other things. So the storytelling is tighter, I guess, in those movies. Maybe that's the difference. I don't know. Um, the kind of the rambling, kind of craziness of it. Maybe, uh, maybe I just wasn't in the mood because I I used to that's love the, the movie. Thing. Maybe I've yeah whatever. But I think they are better movies from. You know, even even No Country for Old Men, which is not as funny as Fargo, has has got its it's got good comedic moments in it. But the storytelling is so just so taut, like you the, know, the there's no spare, is perfect. spare moment people, in it. Yeah, well, people like whether people like the ending or not, which is the, the big debate in that movie. Where I I I love the ending, um, just because it's not what what was the ending supposed to be? Oh, typical firefight between you know, Sugar and Llewellyn. It, uh, people are always said they're sick of these movies ending with firefights. They're sick of Avengers movies or superhero movies ending with the big blue light in the sky. And then somebody gives you something different and it's like, oh, this is trash. No, like, what the hell is that? You know, it's just like, but I under, I do get it though. I get that people have a problem with the ending, but even with the ending, to me, it's like, as far as filmmaking goes, it's like the perfect movie. Whether whether the story or not and that ending, that's, that's up to you, but that's from the book as well. Um, but as far as filmmaking goes, as far as shot composition, shot directing, performances, interesting villains, you know, pacing, I just think it's absolutely perfect. Mm, um, yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great movie. But I, I watched a lot. I'll be really quick. I watched Law Abiding Citizen with um, Jared Butler. Have you seen that? No. Is Denzel Washington in that as well? No, Jimmy, Jimmy Fox. Oh God! There we go. We can cut that bit out of the podcast. Yeah, that's again. that's a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what's really um, funny? I said I said that my girlfriend was watching it, and I said to her, "You know who this actor is?" And she goes, "It's Will Smith." And I was like, "That's so racist." Oh no! I was like, "No, it's Jimmy. It's Jimmy Fox." And uh, I was like, "You know him because we watched that film Collateral that you really liked, and he was the actor in that." And she goes, "Oh yeah." And I was just like, oh my god! But uh, but she does. She wouldn't know anybody, man. You could show you could show her any actor in the world, and she'd be like, I don't know who that is. You'd show her Robert Downey Jr., like one of the biggest actors in the world, and she'd be like, I don't know his name. You know, she probably wouldn't even know he's Iron Man to be honest, unless he was wearing an Iron Man suit. She has absolutely no. Uh, I think a few so. years ago, Robert Downey Jr. probably didn't know his own name either, so it's probably, <laughs> yeah, probably okay. Ah, who am I? Huh? But uh, Mel, Mel Gibson, Mel, come here. Who am I? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um, he should have been in that Jackie Chan movie. Who am I? Not Jackie Chan. But uh, 
But uh, yeah, is it good? Man, I, you know, I was reading reviews after it. People were shitting on it. It's fun, man. Jared Butler gives a good performance, a funny performance. And there's a scene in it where, uh, there's a scene in it where he is being arrested for murdering people, and it's he's he's um he doesn't have a lawyer. He's standing for himself, and the prosecution give their piece, and the judge goes to him about his piece, and he spouts all this shit about you know, law in section this, this blah, 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 blah. And the judge ends up going to him. This is the best way I can explain his performance. The judge ends up going to him. Okay, we're going to set bail or whatever. And instead of walking out and going free, he turns around and goes, are you fucking shitting me? Like, they're coming in here telling you they found me here with all this. I spouted some law bullshit to you and you're going to let me walk out the door. This is the fucking problem with this system. This is the problem. And... He, because he wants to be in jail, which is a plot point that's revealed later why he wants to be in jail. But okay. uh, as they arrest him because of the way he's acting, and she, you know, turns down the bail and she hits her hammer, he walks away and he, he delivers this line where he goes, uh, "And I bet you take it up the ass, bitch." <laughs> and he says this to the judge as he's walking away, and it's just so casual, <laughs> man. It's just such a casual. There's no close up. It's just a casual as he's walking away. And he has these little lines that make the character really realistic. Because in real life, people do this sort of shit, you know? And, uh, but he's really, he's, man, like, you know, Jared Butler's Jared Butler. People can say whatever about his acting and stuff. He's really good and fun. He's having so much fun in the role that it's definitely worth a watch. Um, it's not the greatest thing ever. It's a revenge movie. His, his wife and child, are, his wife is raped and killed and his child is killed at the start of the movie. And one of the rapers, the actual guy who was doing the rape, he walks away because he makes a deal with the prosecution to convict his other guy, the other guy that was with him. And the other guy gets the death penalty. And their main guy gets like two years and then gets to walk scot-free. And the husband isn't happy with this because he was there. He saw both of them. He saw them. But, you know, they get to walk away. So, um Sorry, I was just checking. I didn't get a message there from Zoom for a time limit or anything. So, uh, uh, but, so oh, yeah. that's that's the basics Butler, of the movie. Butler, 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 Butler. So, what Butler's been in those has fallen movies and yeah. Geostorm, right? Geostorm, three hundred. P.S. I love you. Um, Geostorm is awesome. I haven't seen Geostorm yet. Geostorm is, um, yeah, man. Don't like care about anything that happens oh, yeah, in yeah. the movie or worry if it yeah. makes sense but it's it's amazing yeah no no this is the same man don't don't care about like it skips 10 years so it's basically saying in 10 years he learned to do the x y and z you know so it's not like okay, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not like a revenge movie where somebody you know can all of a sudden do martial arts out of nowhere it's like this guy takes 10 years away and comes back and he's been in the military and he's built bombs and he he was like an advanced strategic person blah 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 and um but yeah that's worth to watch man the other thing i watched that's a good storytelling technique isn't it It, you don't have to yeah you don't have to build up to anything anything could have happened in 10 years in 10 years (laughs) he, he read loads of books he just spent his, and actually the next movie I'll talk about is actually similar in a way. He read loads of books. He went to the army or whatever. He built bombs. He, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, so I, I'd recommend it to watch. It's not amazing, but it's fun. You know, again, if you're looking for something to sit back and might have fun, and he's fun to watch. He's a fun character, um, Jared Butler's character in it. 
the other movie I watched last night was American Assassin. And uh, okay, what's what's that? It's based on a novel, I think, and it stars um, I can't remember his name. It's something Dylan, Dylan O'Brien. And because uh, right. I told you I, the other things I watched was the Maze Runner trilogy, The Weekend, mm. Dylan O'Brien's in them. So I was on a Dylan O'Brien thing, and I was like, oh, I'll, I'll watch, I'll watch. I haven't seen American Assassin, I'll watch it. And it stars uh, Taylor Kitsch, and it stars, um, oh man, what's his name? Michael Keaton, Batman, Birdman, isn't it? Michael Keaton. Oh, Michael Keaton, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Michael, Michael Keaton's in it as well. And it basically, it's about this guy and his girlfriend is murdered by terrorists at the start of the movie. And he goes away and trains himself for revenge. But this, the, the, the CIA or this organization are keeping a watch on him. And they end up, uh, when he goes to kill a terrorist, they end up getting involved and taking him away to train him to be an assassin for, the, for them, you know? Mm, uh, yeah. Uh, but basically, at the start of the movie, the reason I said it's similar with the 10 years is you have this kind of quick montage of him learning UFC mixed martial arts fighting, you know, him shooting guns at a gun range, you know, him training himself up to be, uh, you know, an assassin. Basically, not an assassin. He just wants revenge. He just wants to kill mm. terrorists because of what happened to his girlfriend. And when the movie starts promising, it's actually pretty cool. It's like, oh, this is pretty cool. This guy's training himself up. You know, he's, he's doing UFC, uh, he's doing mixed martial arts. He's in a gun range and he, he's going crazy and shooting everybody's fucking targets because he's, he's getting that good that he's shooting everybody's targets and they're all looking at him like, what the fuck are you doing? And then, uh, and, then, and then the CIA pick him up and Mike Keaton comes in and he's interested and it's good. And, and then it just, it, just, it just falls apart, man. Like the middle of the movie is so boring oh my god man I, mm. I was so into it and then I just I just I was like I'm just getting really fucking bored now and then Kate Taylor Kitsch is the villain he comes into it like halfway through the movie and and I don't know man it, it ended I wouldn't I wouldn't even recommend it to anybody to be honest it just it really falls apart somewhere in the middle I, I can't pinpoint why I think it's one of these movies, man, where they bring someone in and you're spending the whole movie's just training, 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 and then he's allowed out to do his missions. Do you know what I mean? It's one of those type okay. of movies. But the training. So don't watch it. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. I, Because I, not only that, you, when you're in this type of movie, you, your action scenes have to be fucking good. You know, they have to be at Winter Soldier type level John Wick level of action scenes. Well, it's the, it's the whole, it's, it's, it's the whole point. Well, not the whole point, but it's a big, chunk of it right yeah there's two things you either have to have really smart moments that show how smart these characters are which are like oh that mm. was that was really well written and smart which there isn't or you have to have really cool action scenes that's what you need in yeah. these type of movies I, yeah. and it doesn't I can't really even right now I can't tell you a memorable action scene a memorable fight scene it's not they're not shot great there's a lot of cutting you know and so by the end of the movie it's like I'll never watch this ever again so I wouldn't recommend that and then the Maze Runner trilogy, which I already said to you, I think after yeah. Hunger Games, it's probably the best kind of YA adaption uh, of any of these movies. Uh, first movie's really good and fun and interesting about what's going on. Second movie starts good, it gets really slow in the middle, has a pretty decent ending. And the third movie, I think, was I think the third movie was probably my favorite. I think third movie is pretty good. Um, I think it wraps things up pretty good. It uh, has good action. Uh, good visuals uh, yeah I think the Thor I, th I really enjoy it man I don't know what it is about that series that I just I really like the could be the actors because the actors are all good and so maybe you just get attached to the characters but 
But uh, I think the third one has some good good moments, good deaths and stuff that for a YA movie they hit harder than something like fucking Twilight or N, you know. Well, all those, all those. Um, well, I guess they were YAs. Now they're just A's. Um, yeah, you read those books sure. and watched those movies. They were well prepared for a for a COVID situation, anyway. <laughs> oh, Reading that's that in the third movie. That's in the third Reading movie. That shit for years. In in the third movie, they're all they're all behind a wall in a city, and all the people are wearing masks because there's a virus airborne. So all the people are wearing masks as they live their daily lives. Ah, and okay. You're watching it. You're like COVID. You're just thinking this is the fucking world today. You have a government trying Training. to you have a government trying to do a vaccine, and one of the guys in this government he wants to pick and choose who gets the vaccine, and he's the he, that's Aidan Gillen, the villain, you know. And the other like one of them just wants to save everybody or as many people as they can, and the other one's like, no, we're gonna we're gonna pick and choose who gets the vaccine, and it's like fucking hell. Actually, people shouldn't watch this movie, man, because you love the crazy conspiracy people being like, "See, this is what the government want to do. They're gonna, they don't, they want to control us. It's, it's all about control." Or don't make, 5G! don't make, don't make Aiden Gillen a spokesperson for um to try to get people to take the virus as a you know an, an Instagram influencer kind of kind of deal of like I took the vaccine, you should too. It's like no, Aiden Gillen, no, yeah, we yeah. don't trust you. Yeah, yeah, Aiden Gillen, yeah. You're you're evil and you're evil in everything. It, it was like I said, yeah, the Scorch trials. <laughs> You'll never survive out there in yeah. the Scorch, Thomas. <laughs> as in like as in S C O U R G E, like Scourge. like Scourge. Yeah, S C O R C H is uh, Oh Scorch. Scorch. Like yeah. to burn, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, to yeah, burn, to yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. And that's that's what I'm saying. When he delivers okay. he de- he delivers a line in the second movie, it's like You'll never survive out in the Scorch. And just like I said, just an Irish person say, with his accent saying Scorch, just, you just, that one word, man, you just, it just doesn't, you know, you hear the Scorch come out of it, you know. My favourite Aiden, my favourite, actually, I, I, everyone makes fun of Aiden Gillen for his accents. When I saw him in The Wire, I didn't know he was Irish. And now every time I watch him in anything, I can hear his Irish accent. It's oh, different the Dark Knight Rises as well. Bane. Bane, <laughs> yeah. Exactly on the way. That's Bane. It's like fuck me, man. It's like he's done. Uh, he's done great, great stuff as, um, as an actor. This is a particularly an, uh, an English movie. Anyway, like he's good in Game of Thrones, man. He's good at playing. Oh these. man, he's a, he's a great, he's a great actor. But that one line delivery in Dark Knight Rises, I could have done that, and got paid that money. And yeah. you know, I would have, I would have done better. I would have bought a, a a better webcam. Maybe a better microphone. <laughs> See, that's what it is. Aiden Gillen has ruined our chances at, at making an amazing podcast of quality because he took that job where he got to go Bane. And then he also took the other job where he gets goes, you'll never survive in the scorch. Uh, and yeah, you know, cr- man, you, need, you need to look up attention. that line delivery if it's somewhere. You need to look it up on YouTube if it's there. Oh, the scorch. I'm sure, uh, yeah. I'm sure someone someone has probably had probably put it up and uh, and isolated yeah um i'm trying to think if there's a great aiden gillen movie that I, I actually do want to recommend and i can't remember the name of it now where he's he's that's kind short. of befriended this that's short he's befriended this man. kid and he keep, he's playing aiden he's playing a version of aiden uh, thing of Is the universe An alcoholic? master of the universe now he kind of talks like this the whole way through the movie oh, okay. and he's he's befriended this kid and uh it's like, is this guy, you know, just a little bit simple or is he potentially 
extremely dangerous. Um, yeah, yeah. Ah, Tom, good friend of mine, Tom. Yeah, good friend. He's, I must find out what it is. He's really good in it. Um, based on this guy, this guy used to hang around Dublin a lot in the 80s and 90s called Aiden, Aiden Walsh, I think his name was. Okay. Well, I think it's based on this. I'm pretty sure it's based on this guy. I don't know if he said it was, it was based on him. But um, oh, okay. he was involved in the music industry and stuff. Uh, but that's for another day, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. No, I've no more, more, not much more to add on, on anything we've talked about today. So, from whatever corner of the universe you're listening, whether you're from Blargon 7 or whether you're from uh, Dundalk, Dublin, Dundalk. Dundee, whatever. Crocodile. Uh, well, crocodile to me. This is it. This is the knife. <laughs> you call that a knife. <laughs> oh, what was the joke? What you think that's a spoon? Now this is. Oh no, what was it? Was it The Simpsons? Did you ever play Spoony Forky or Forky Spoon or I can't remember. The Simpsons the was definitely was. a reference. I think it was a reference to Crocodile Dundee, but there was the yeah, I see. I see you've played Knifey Spoony before. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. I see you've played Knifey Spoony before, mate. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, Right, we'll leave it I that think one. we should uh, considering we've done we've done um, you talked about movies to avoid we should like we should have our sections we should have one to watch one to avoid and James does impressions I think should definitely be a part of the <laughs> part of the thing for next time <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pick somebody and James will do an impression of them but uh, until until next time, thanks very much for listening to Initial Thoughts Podcast with uh, myself, Matthew Kelly, and James Mulholland. It's uh, going to be available. Where is it available, James? It's going to be on SoundCloud, and hopefully soon we'll be on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all them podcasts, any podcast thing you should be able to find us probably around Christmas time. Don't, and... don't go out and look under a rock. It won't no, be there. No, it, it might be. It might be. Internet connection required. Your Christmas present. (laughs) 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 And uh, yeah, we've the YouTube set up. We're going to be putting up some content on the YouTube. See you soon, folks.